what's up you guys and welcome back to the televised podcast my name is anna and today we're going to be talking about my favorite shows and a few movies of 2021 of this past year and happy new year to everybody uh listening i'm really uh excited to start a new year um (laughs) i feel like obviously the past like what two years now have been really rough for everybody so i i hope everybody's doing okay um and i wish you all well in this in this new year um but yeah so i i i felt that i thought 2021 was a really really good year um for tv in particular i i feel like i watched a an insane amount of just like really good tv this year and i really enjoyed it um so i want to just kind of highlight a few of my favorite things that i watched this year and um i i didn't watch a lot of movies this year though i i really didn't so i i only have a couple of um couple of movies I just kind of want to touch on like briefly but other than that I it's mostly going to be talking about tv uh this time so um I don't have these in necessarily any particular order so I'm just going to kind of like go and just talk about them they're they're not necessarily in like oh this is my top five and this is number one like it's just kind of talking about I'm just going to talk about shows that I that I liked. Um, so one show that I really adored this this year was Arcane. Um, Arcane season one uh, on Netflix. It is a show based on League of Legends, the video game, and it's genuinely one of the best animated shows I've ever seen. Period. Um, it's beautiful. Like it's stunning. It it's very similar to Into the Spider Verse, where it you, when you're watching it, you can feel the um the way that it's going to change animation in the future. Um, which is a really cool thing, and I I think that they were maybe partially inspired by Into the Spider Verse and how they animated that movie, and then brought it into um Arcane and maybe decided to be more experimental with how they made the show. It was just really great. Like, it's a really, really phenomenal show. Um, And I've never played League of Legends before. I I don't know anything about the lore. I don't know anything about the canon. I don't know anything about League of Legends, period. But I really enjoyed it. And I think that the show did a really good job, especially across its three separate acts. I think it did a really good job of um, bringing the viewer into the show without necessarily knowing or having to know anything about... Uh, League of Legends or really any of the lore I you know it, it told me everything I needed to know and also I think the show proved that it is possible to do a really freaking good um, video game adaptation because obviously it's <laughs> in the industry it's kind of been known as like a curse if you try to do a video game adaptation because 99% of the time they do not work out um I mean, for me, one of my favorite video game adaptations is the Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander, but I know a lot of people also did not like that and did not think it was a very successful adaptation. Um, And then obviously there's just been like a a long string of like just awful video game adaptations with the exclusion of, like I said, Arcane and for me, Tomb Raider and then... uh, uh, probably the Sonic movie, but like beyond that, it's 
well, and Detective Pikachu was pretty good, but uh, really beyond that, it's it's very hard to make a good video game adaptation because of how the like storylines are set up, and that is something that um, I think a lot of people had issues with with the Tomb Raider game was that they tried to condense this like you know fifteen hours of playthrough into like 15 hours of story into like two and a half or like two hours however long that movie was but I think that's what made Arcane and the first season of Arcane so good was that they managed to uh, like do the pacing so well and obviously they had nine episodes to tell you know this first part of the story uh and I think that it just worked so well with the three episodes for that flashback or you know in the uh past with when they were younger and then obviously six episodes to deal with uh moving into the future and then obviously I think that's where we're gonna stay for season two um and of course that huge cliffhanger at the end was so insane but I I don't necessarily this I don't necessarily want to do spoilers in this episode just because I, if you haven't seen these shows, I, I want you to go out and watch them. Uh, so I'm going to be kind of vague, but I, I do really, I really enjoyed this show. And I loved, of course, this was one of the uh, Steinfall offerings, uh, the uh, one of the three shows that Haley Steinfeld was a part of in November. And if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a huge Haley Steinfeld fan. I love her so much. I've been a fan of her since Pitch Perfect 2. And it's been incredible to watch her, you know, just explode in popularity this year and do these incredible, amazing projects. And personally, I think that she is truly one of the only, like, face actors who can truly move between uh, face and voice acting. Like, well, you know, like, cause there's so many, there's this trend going on in the, in the animation industry where instead of hiring actual voice actors to do their job, you instead hire the biggest name that you could get to put on the poster. And it works out sometimes, but it's like, they're just, they're not voice actors, you know, but I truly feel like Haley is one of those that can actually like go between and does face and voice acting so well. I mean, obviously, she's also was in Into the Spider-Verse. She played Gwen. So I think that really she is one of the only, like, face actors who I ever want to actually, like, have a voice acting career. (laughs) And, of course, I can't talk about Arcane without talking about the soundtrack. So good. I mean, and that's another way that it reminded me of Into the Spider-Verse where... It just had this incredible, incredible soundtrack from Spider-Verse and then obviously they kind of incorporated music in a very similar way in the Arcane soundtrack. Had a very singular like uh, sound that they wanted to keep on and kind of like, you know, industrial-ish, you know, um, they like they had Paris on it, they had Imagine Dragons, I, it's great such a good soundtrack and and this show is so worth watching if you have not before like i said it's on netflix it's only nine episodes so it's a pretty quick watch i did it in like two days um just because the episodes get kind of heavy and you can watch them in three act increments because that's how they were released on netflix um act one act two and act three um so the first act is obviously the first three episodes and then the second act is the next three episodes and then the final three episodes is the third act 
honestly, I would just recommend watching them one act at a time just because it's that one arc that you kind of get between each one. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you haven't seen the show, you have to watch it. It's, it's incredible. It's so worth your time. Um, so another Haley Steinfeld project that I loved this year, obviously, was Dickinson. Um, if you know, if you've been a longtime listener, you know that I adored Dickinson season one, and I talked about making a Dickinson season two episode forever, and then I just never got around to it. Um, but I do think that Dickinson, especially season three, was like some of the best, t- it was the best TV that I watched this year. It truly was. And it's crazy because we got Dickinson season two in January. I think it premiered like January 8th of this, of 2021. And then Dickinson season three, which was the final season, uh, premiered what, like November 24th or something like that? Or no, uh, November something. I can't remember. It premiered in November though. (laughs) And it's crazy that we had these two seasons of this wonderful show in the same exact year. It's crazy. But obviously, I think... I don't know why they cranked them out so fast. I truly have no idea because it's only been about a year since the first ever... No, it's been two years. Oh, I know why. Okay, they it's because of COVID. <laughs> I think. I think it was because of COVID. Um... <laughs> Because I think that they were trying to have a season out in 2020, probably in November, so that they can do three Novembers in a row, but then probably ended up having to push it back because of COVID. Anyway, mystery solved. (laughs) But it is really hard to believe that we got like two seasons of the show in a single year, but it's, we did, and it was wonderful. I mean, like I said, this is one of my favorite shows of all time, but season three especially was just so incredible. I think the finale was the perfect way to kind of, like, cap this show and especially to end, like, Emily's youth and, like, this really prolific time in her life, after, you know, during the Civil War. I think it was just, like, perfect way to set up everybody else's roles as well because it was kind of weird You would think that a finale where the main character doesn't interact with almost any of the other characters in the show would be, like, jarring and dissatisfying. And honestly, I'm gonna be honest, at first it was jarring because I was like, that's it? Like, we don't get any more interactions between, especially, like, Emily and Sue or even, like, Emily and her mom or Emily and Austin. It was, I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, they were just gonna end the show and she stayed in her room the whole time? But I, I get it because it's like episode nine was meant to be that like end of series sort of like everybody gets together one last time to hang out together before the series is over. Give the fans that like community that or the like group um, vibe that they want to see uh, the friendships and the connections and especially Emily and Sue and all of that. You know, we got that in episode 9, so then episode 10 acted as the way to kind of, like, lead everybody out into the future, Um, where, uh, obviously, historically, as we know, that, like, Emily stayed in her room a lot of the time. Like, she wasn't a hermit by any means, but she did spend a lot of solitary time in her room 
she didn't see Sue as often as maybe she would have liked because she would write to her quite often and say like, you know, Susie, whom I have not seen, I still love, you know, stuff like that. And so it's not like it was unrealistic because everything in the show is historically accurate, <laughs> quite literally everything. Um, but it just, it was jarring for like a hot sec, you know, <laughs> but it was really interesting too to see obviously Emily be set up to have this arc of being uh, stepping into her own and making her poems for herself and she writes poetry because those are the feelings that she felt and she wants to do it for herself and I thought that was wonderful especially because throughout the seasons she's gone through these arcs of like who am I writing for why am I writing and you know at the end of season two she decided that she would write for Sue and only for Sue and that led to a fractured relationship with Sue. So then she decided, you know what? I'm going to have a relationship with Sue and I'm going to write for myself. That doesn't mean that she's not going to ever write for Sue ever again. But she's not hinging her artistic, you know, merit on her writings and musings uh, for Sue. Which was really interesting. And I loved uh, how then the finale set up Sue as Emily's protector, like, the protector of her legacy. Like, she confronts Mrs. Dickinson being like, hey, we can't mess this up, um, which is historically what uh, Sue kind of was. I mean, they, her siblings asked Sue to be the one to, like, clean and prepare Emily's body for her funeral. Like, that's how, you know, much Sue was as a protector to Emily. And I love that. And then obviously, like, Lavinia is a performance artist and, like, a wonderful and supportive sister because then she's the one who gets the poems out of the case and doesn't burn them, you know? <laughs> and I just, I loved it. And, and I loved season two, obviously, but nothing, nothing will top season three for me. It was just so good. Every episode, there was not a single episode that I didn't like. And... For me especially, I loved the moments when they would dive into Emily's subconscious. There was a couple of episodes toward the end where, you know, you had the uh, Sylvia Plath episode and then you had the Inferno episode and all of these moments back to back and and taking those deep dives into Emily's mind, I, I thought worked so well. And especially for a character who was so imaginative and so in her head and so like you know, just introspective. And I think it was such a cool way to showcase that introspection, to to showcase how she's looking inward at herself, what her inner desires are, what she believe, you know, what her reality, uh, how she interprets her reality within her own mind. I loved it. It was just uh, so good. So good. So another Apple TV Plus show, uh, which... Let me just say, Dickinson, you can stream on Apple TV+. Plus. If you don't have Apple TV+, Plus, you could sign up and they give you, like, a free trial for, like, a million years. So, <laughs> or if you recently bought an Apple product, you get Apple TV+, Plus free for, like, a whole year. Um, even if that trial is just for a week, which it might be, I'm not entirely sure, you can genuinely watch all Dickinson as a whole in a week. <laughs> you can, truly, because it's only 30 episodes. Each episode is only about like 20 minutes long, 25 minutes long. Um, so it's like super quick, super easy to get to through. It's wonderful. And Haley Steinfeld, of course, is incredible. She's an incredible actress and she puts on an incredible performance and you can stream it all on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, 
another Apple TV Plus show, like I was saying, that I really liked this year was The Morning Show. Um, I watched season one of The Morning Show this year, even though it did not come out this year. It came out about two years ago. Um, And again, this one was also kind of pushed back due to COVID. So it's been like two years since that first season came out. And then finally, uh, a new one has come out. And I ended up binging the first season, and I think that was a mistake, because uh, the first season is incredibly heavy. It's incredibly heavy, and it watching it, like, in such a short amount of time made me feel really bad. <laughs> like, it was just, like, a really heavy, deep, dark show that I just was like, oh, God. But the second season of the show is not quite as heavy. It's um, it's not quite as good either. So, <laughs> but I think that the good outweighs the bad when it comes to season two. Um, season one was heavily focused on the Me Too movement. Uh, it it the sh- if you don't know the show is about a morning talk show, sort of like Good Morning America or t- or the Today Show, um, and the one of the co-anchors of this show, which is called The Morning Show, uh, gets accused by multiple women of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. And then it kicks off this whole entire thing where they kick him off and all this stuff. And, and it it's a really interesting show. Um, Steve Carell plays Mitch Kessler, who was the guy that got boot- booted. Um, he Jennifer Aniston plays Alex Levy, who was the uh, co-host. She was Mitch's co-host. And then, you know, this whole thing, like, kickstarted a very intense downward, downward spiral for her. And then Reese Witherspoon plays uh, Bradley Jackson, who is this, like, spunky uh, firecracker uh, southern reporter who ends up kind of getting tied into Alex Levy's web and the morning show's web. Um, it's, it was, the season one was really good, and I don't think anything will ever top the season one finale. It was just incredible, like chills. It was so good, and, and like I said, season two was not quite as good, but I think the good outweighed the bad, um, in some ways, so the good elements of, of this second season were, Bradley Jackson and Laura Peterson. (laughs) I think Bradley's um, journey with internalized homophobia, being outed, coming out, all of those feelings uh, as an older woman, I think that was so important and so pivotal to show on screen. And I... I mean, I've said it before, I don't think the coming out narrative is outdated in any way. I, I truly do not think so because, like, I mean homophobia still persists in real life, you know, there's just no way that we can stop ever telling the coming out story unless this, you know, homophobic violence ends in some way. So I I, I do think that, that it was a really cool story that they decided to tell. And Reese was incredible in this role, and and it was just really wonderful to watch Bradley deal with these emotions and deal with these things while having Laura Peterson, played by Juliana Margulies, uh, as this kind of, like, rock that kind of grounded the show, um, because she's, like, the only one that doesn't, like, scream every episode. (laughs) But I just think it worked really well to have that dynamic between the two of them, where Bradley is kind of, like, this... I wouldn't say unhinged, but I, <laughs> but I would definitely call her um, 
impulsive and and things like like words similar to that she's impulsive she's she's fiery she's passionate um and she's like opinionated (laughs) and laura peterson on the other hand is she's opinionated but she's like stern but also soft but also um calm and quiet and and I think that that was really needed to balance out this show because it does get over the top so much because of all the yelling and all of these crazy like manic characters that they have on this show. Um, so I do think that it just worked really well to have Laura there. And I love the relationship between Bradley and Laura. I think it worked really well. I'm excited to see where it goes in a potential season three. It has not been renewed yet. Uh, for a season three so you know watch at your own risk this one is also on apple tv plus it's 20 episodes season one and season two like i said though season one is a really rough binge um so just kind of pace yourself if you decide to watch but i do think it is a really good show to watch and 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 really interesting especially because of what the first season brings up but then even in the second season um it just is really interesting how how the show decided to deal with uh, kind of like losing a person to quote unquote canceling, cancelization, even though I would, I wouldn't even use canceling as a word for Mitch Kessler and what happened to him. But, um, and also, like I said, the, the outing and the internalized homophobia with Bradley was really interesting. And also I think it brought up an interesting conversation about like family and toxic family. And, and I don't know, I, I just think it was, it was good it wasn't great, but it was good. But I really enjoyed it because of those standout elements. Also, just based on the season two finale and also other things, I'm a, I'm officially an Alex Levy hater. Like I just <laughs> like that season two finale. Just oh my god, I'm an Alex Levy hater. But obviously, you know nothing against Jennifer Aniston. She is uh, incredible in the role. But just oh my god, girl, gee. <laughs> like I said though that one is also available on Apple TV plus to stream if you are so inclined um the next show that I want to talk about is one that actually made my list last year as my favorite one of my favorite shows of 2020 and that is Motherland Fort Salem but season two of Motherland Fort Salem I really really enjoy this show I was gutted when they announced uh earlier this year that season three would be the last I hate that. (laughs) I I think that this show needs a million seasons, but also at the same time, I understand because I think the arc that they have been taking with the villain in particular um, does really lend itself to a final season going in um, after that season two finale. So I'm simultaneously like really uh, upset, but also kind of being like, yeah, it makes sense. But also, I keep thinking, like, maybe afterwards they'll do, like, a spinoff because the thing is, like, the title won't make sense because of what happened in the season two finale and how season three is going to go. So maybe they'll decide to just do a spinoff and take it another direction um, with a new title and a new kind of premise, uh, but taking place in the same world, maybe with hopefully with the same characters or maybe not. I I just think that Freeform should not give up on this universe because I think it's one of the most uh, original and creative universes that we've seen in recent memory on television, especially in, you know, in comparison to all of the reboots, rehashes, adaptations that we've seen so recently. 
it's just been interesting and nice to watch Motherland and be like, yeah, this is wholly original. Like, this feels wholly original and it is wholly original, um, which is really refreshing. But season two honestly managed to be even better than season one. I prefer it to season one. Um, I think it just, it, it, was just really interesting, especially within the character dynamics. I liked how they messed with the dynamics of the relationships that each of the main uh, three women have, not only with each other, but also with those around them. I think especially Scylla was a highlight of the season. She had such a cool arc, and I love um, I love a girl that embraces her kind of like moral, <laughs> questionable morality. Um, and kind of is not afraid to do the necessary things that need to be done in order to uh, save the greater good. It's, it's you know, it's very in line with Scylla's character, but I think, like, turned up a notch because of her feelings for Rael and all of that. So I, I really enjoyed the journey that her character took this year in particular. Also, Tally. Tally's my favorite character on the whole show. I love her, and I thought her journey this, this past season was so incredible. I loved everything that had to do with Alder that she was, you know, kind of entangled in and everything like that. It was really interesting. Um, but it's, it's, you know, like I said, it, incredibly sad that the next season will be the last. But if you do end up watching this show, know that there is another season coming. So it's, you know, you're safe to to start it so <laughs> but it's 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 really an incredible show and I, I think it's so worth it because like I said it's just so original and it's so refreshing and the actors are so good because they're all like these newcomers and it's just oh, it's so good and this one is as well is only 20 episodes it's on Hulu available to stream it's a free form show but it is on Hulu to stream uh, you can stream both seasons there and then next summer it should uh premiere um on freeform and then it also streams like next day on hulu so like even if you don't have freeform you don't have cable you don't watch on freeform you can watch it the next day on hulu so i would totally absolutely 100 percent recommend catching up with the show watching it i think it's just a really cool commentary about um the military, the military-industrial complex, uh, you know, it's it's like a weird feminist commentary in a way, you know, it's, it's really good. It, the premise of the show is about witches, if there was witches, and if they ran the army. <laughs> it's just really good. I really enjoy it. So another season that I really enjoyed this year, not a new show of this year, but a new season that came out this year was season three of the CW's Charmed. I binged all three seasons of the Charmed reboot uh, this summer and I really enjoyed it. It was really good. I, listen, I'm a sucker for a CW show. <laughs> I think that they just, uh, there's something about them that I just really like, you know, I just really like them. Uh, but this one in particular, I think has so much heart, especially the first season has so much heart and just is is wonderful to watch especially because of the dynamic between the three sisters uh, mel macy and maggie i think the acting was really really good and it's just really fun it's a really fun show that's light and fun to watch uh but also deals with um topics you know uh, topical uh, plot points that i just i think work really well and i 
unfortunately, like the season two finale kind of, uh, uh, it was, that was their COVID finale. So they didn't get to uh, finish out the season the way that they wanted to. But I do think that in the end, it, it worked to an extent, you know, it was one of the more rocky, uh, <laughs> you know, COVID finales, but I, I still think it worked to a certain extent. But um, yeah, so anyway, though, season three came out this year, and I really loved it. I Abigail Jameson Kane is one of my favorite characters. She's my favorite character on the show, and she's one of my favorite characters maybe ever now at this point. I really, really enjoy her character. I think she is similar to a character like Morgana, if you're really into Morgana and Merlin, because she's just kind of like evil, but you know why she's evil, and, and she, you know, is, but she's also like redeemable. She goes on this path for redemption in season three, which I think worked really well, um, and one of my favorite uh, episodes of the entire season was the one that really was like focused on Abigail, because I just think it worked really well. Um, it was episode 13, I think, season three, episode 13. Um, and then Maggie as well is my favorite character. I love her. She's my favorite sister. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this season though. And obviously it ended with, um, just a fair warning if you decide to watch. The season does end with, um, one of the sisters leaving in a very similar move to the original Charmed. In a very unfortunate parallel to the original Charmed, uh, one of the sisters does leave. Um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was kind of, it was really sad, but I'm excited to see what they do with, um, with the new sister, because they obviously cast someone else, and the fourth season does not premiere on the CW until next March, until March of 2022, so be on the lookout for it, but if you want, you can binge all three seasons on Netflix, um, I think it's totally worth the watch. If you're just, if you're looking for like a fun, witchy, you know, fun, like magical show, I think it's so worth it. It's so, it's really great, especially that first season. Like, even if you don't feel like sitting through three seasons of the show, just watch the first one and it's really great. I just, I love it. I adore it. So, one of the uh, last shows I want to talk about, I have two more, uh, is Sex Lives of College Girls. This is a show that premiered on HBO Max in November, late November, I think, I don't know, sometime recently. (laughs) And I think it was so good. It worked so well. It's a comedy from Mindy Kaling that follows, uh, four girls who did not know each other, uh, prior to college, but this is the story of them becoming roommates and, or, like, they're roommates in college and this is them becoming, like, friends and, and their experience at college. And even though the title, Sex Lives of College Girls, might make it seem like it's all about sex and there is a lot of sex in the show, just a fair warning, don't watch it with your parents, please, do not watch the show with your parents, um, it's, it has so much heart, and that's the thing that really, like, sticks out to me about the show, is it has so much heart, and I think it really gets down to the core of, um, female friendship, because I, I can, there's multiple moments within the first season that I can see 
a lesser show pitting the roommates against each other and running with that, running with that storyline. But they don't. They it, it just feels like a very accurate portrayal of female friendship and solidarity um, in their community. But that also doesn't necessarily mean that it's like everybody's friends. And like it's 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 a realistic portrayal of what female friendship is actually like, even with like rivalries and and things like that between women and it's not I mean like I said it's not like the fake like shit where it's like everybody's buddy buddy you know it's it just works really well I I think it works really well and the acting was really delightful honestly (laughs) and it's a comedy so it just it was really funny I think it had really smart humor um, I think it's similar in humor to a movie like Booksmart. Um, it makes me think of Booksmart. It kind of makes me think of Teenage Bounty Hunters in that way. Um, I just think it worked really well. Uh, and of course, Layton, uh, is one of the main girls and she has a storyline about internalized homophobia and kind of coming out as well. And I think that one worked really well. And, and it's interesting too, because like, um, the amount because you know like i said uh, earlier everybody complains about the amount of coming out stories that there are on tv or in movies and i i mean yeah there's a lot but the thing is that i can't imagine wanting one of them undone you know what i mean like they're because it's like no two are the same like even just looking at bradley and layton bradley from the morning show and layton from sex lives they're both of these coming out stories had such different messages even though they were dealing with the virtually the the same concept of internalized homophobia they had different outcomes they had different uh, meanings behind them they have different messages and I just think both of them worked so well and and I think having these two stories back to back within the same year prove that like each coming out story each coming out narrative on television has its own place and is important in that way. So I, I really, I really liked that. And, and Renee Rapp, who is a uh, queer, she, uh, portrays Layton and I think she just did an incredible job. It was so, it was so good. You can watch this show on HBO Max. It's 10 episodes. Each episode's like 20 minutes long. It's a very quick watch, but it's very delightful. And um, I think it's it's a really fun kind of like pick-me-up show. So if you're kind of down wanting something funny and fresh and uh, light to start the new year, I would definitely check out Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max. And finally, my last show that I loved this year uh, was Hawkeye. I love this show. (laughs) I loved this show. So good. Oh my god. (laughs) I knew... I Listen, this is the only MCU show that I've actually seen, but I'm so glad that I watched it. Everything about it was just so good. I mean, Haley Steinfeld, (laughs) this was the third of her shows to premiere in November alone and she she just is so good and so dynamic and each of those characters was so different to each other and especially like Kate Bishop is so 
I think she's such a, a vibrant addition to the MCU, and I'm I'm really excited to see where her character goes in the future, um, especially because of what happened in the finale, which I think is one of my favorite episodes of TV this year. Um, I really enjoyed the finale. I thought it wrapped up everything really well. I think that the highlight of this show was that each of the female characters really got their due, um, and that is something that I haven't been able to say about Marvel for a long time, you know? I mean, this year in particular was an incredible year for women in Marvel, but that has not been the case for, like, most every other year. (laughs) But I think this show really kind of uh, epitomized exactly what uh, good, like, what making good on your, like, we have strong female characters looks like, you know? Because it's like, Kate got her due, Yelena got her due, Maya got her due, even Eleanor kind of had this interesting arc, and even if she, I mean, I was, the only, like, kind of dissatisfying thing was I think that that moment at, in the finale came together in a bit of a shaky way, but I think that they obviously did that in order to uh, set up a potential second season or, you know, a potential continuation of Kate's story. I think it's very clear that they are going to continue Kate's story. Um, And then, obviously, I mentioned that Yelena was also in this show. I love her so much. I love her. I love her. She is the MCU it girl. (laughs) Obviously, I talked about how much I loved her in the Black Widow movie, in my Black Widow episode, which you could check out. Um from uh the summer this past summer i did an episode entirely about black widow where i talked about that movie because i loved it um but yeah so yelena i really enjoyed uh in this show i think she was a highlight of the show and also it made me like clint barton didn't think it would do that but i liked him (laughs) i really liked him like if you listen to my black widow episode i was fully like yelena can just kill him like hey i don't care But then when it came time to it, I was like, no, Yelena, you can't. You can't kill him. I like him. I like him a lot. (laughs) But yeah, so that is my, those are my favorite shows that I watched uh, this year. Uh, Hawkeye is available to stream on Disney+. Plus. It's only six episodes, so it's actually, it's a really quick watch. It's a really quick watch. You can do it in like a day. And like no problem. It's 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 really quick. So that one's on Disney Plus. Um and I briefly just wanted to mention a couple of movies that I like this year. I'm not going to go like super in depth with them. I just wanted to mention a couple cuz like I said I really didn't watch a whole lot of new movies this year. I spent a lot of time watching TV. Like I just didn't watch uh movies in general, but I um I or or I watched like old movies like like yesterday, I watched Fighting with My Family, uh, the like WWE movie with Florence Pugh, but that's movies old, you know? <laughs> it did not come out this year at, at all. Um, so anyway, so one of my favorites, obviously, of the year was Black Widow. Like I said, I did an entire episode about Black, Black Widow this summer. You can find um, up, you know, down yeah, on the page. <laughs> You can find it. It's there. Um, <laughs> I really like this movie, though. I think it did Black Widow justice. I 
do truly wish that Natasha had gotten her own trilogy, but, you know, if, if, if this single movie was all that we were going to get from her, then I'm glad that we got it because I really did enjoy it. Um, and then another movie that I really liked this year was The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. I did think that it was a bit too gratuitously violent. I did not look for, a, you know, a lot of scenes. I had to cover my eyes because I'm very squeamish. But I did think that it was a really well done movie, infinitely better than the 2016 Suicide Squad movie. I hated that movie. It was horrible, horrendous, awful, terrible movie. <laughs> this one obviously blew it out of the water. I really enjoyed it. I think that it worked really well. I loved the... I think it's because they really did create that found family in this film. Um, especially with characters like Ratcatcher 2, who was just so endearing, and even like Polka Dot Man, who I really ended up liking, and then obviously Harley Quinn was so good in this movie, um, and Peacemaker was just like that asshole that's like, and he's getting his new show on HBO Max, and it's like, why? Why that guy? But whatever. Um, <laughs> Anyway, though, I just, I really, I really like this movie. I think it worked really well. Um, and I, I think, uh, I think one thing, though, is that it was frustrating during the release of that movie to watch everybody kind of give James Gunn Kathy Yan's flowers for, for, for uh, what he did. Because really, Kathy Yan made it possible for James Gunn to do the Suicide Squad. Kathy Yan was the first one to do an R-rated DCEU movie. Kathy Yan was the first one to do these, like, bold colors, crazy, non-chronological storytelling, uh, you know. And I think Birds of Prey worked better than The Suicide Squad did. I liked Birds of Prey better than The Suicide Squad. Um, but, yeah, so I... It was interesting to watch as people were like, oh my god, James Gunn saved the DCEU, but it's like, dude, did he? Or did Kathy Yan save the DCEU and then he, like, picked up the torch and ran with it? I mean, obviously, I'm not, like, taking any credit away from James Gunn. He's an incredible filmmaker and, you know, he directed and wrote an incredible movie, but I'm just saying that it's like the concepts and the doors that were opened by Kathy Yan definitely allowed for James Gunn's movie to be made. Um, but I think that's great. You know, I'm, I'm excited for more of the DCEU to be built on Harley Quinn and, you know, characters like that. I think we're all, <laughs> I don't think I can speak for everybody, but for me, it's, it, it does get kind of tiring to see a million and a half Superman and Batman movies. Obviously, I know we're getting another Batman movie, but, um, I'm still excited to see more uh, different characters um, come into the DCEU and lead them, uh, which is kind of cool. Another movie that I really liked this year was Encanto. I just watched it on Disney Plus uh, recently, and I really liked it. It was really good. I am normally not a Disney movie person. I, <laughs> I don't keep up with Disney movies. I've really, in the past, like, five years the most recent disney animated movie that i've seen is frozen 2 like that was the last new animated disney movie that i saw um so i really enjoyed encanto i i thought it worked really well the songs were incredible we don't talk about bruno is everything it's stuck in my head <laughs> and i just think it was it was really well done and i enjoyed that there wasn't like a 
a like you know cackling villain like it was about like the family dynamic and the family uh arguments and narratives and I, th- I think that worked really well I really enjoyed it um and finally the last movie that I saw this year that I want to touch on is gonna be kind of niche but it's the eyes of Tammy Faye <laughs> the critic consensus is that the performances uh of this movie are better than the movie itself and I would have to agree the movie itself is not like groundbreaking in many ways it's it's a biopic and it feels like it. Um, it feels a little long in some places, but I did really enjoy it because I liked how the this movie um, kind of uh, highlighted how the public treated Tammy Faye, especially in comparison to her husband, uh, who was really the guy that like everybody needed to be mad at um and it also highlighted just like how good of a person Tammy Faye is and like as somebody with uh religious trauma (laughs) I think that seeing Tammy Faye like because if you don't know Tammy Faye was this well she's still alive but she is no longer a uh, televangelist she was a televangelist with her husband um Jim Baker, sorry, I couldn't remember his last name, uh, Jim Baker, and they were, they created the Christian Broadcasting Network, they, uh, had shows, and, like, they did all this stuff, they had a theme park, you know, it was kind of crazy, and eventually they were found out to have been, uh, like, embezzling money and stealing, and they were in debt, and, and Jim went to jail for a long time. And the public kind of ended up using Tammy Faye as the person that they made fun of uh, because of it. She had this, she was, I mean, she was drag, mama. She <laughs> she was drag. She's very similar, I think, to Dolly Parton in that she had a very similar style with the crazy hair and the wigs and the, the makeup and everything and... and um, but she genuinely seemed like the type of person that actually just like cared about others and and wasn't a republican disguised as a religious person you know like because she in real life had a an aids patient on call for one of her shows and she talked to this aids patient um on her show on national television on the christian broadcasting network and informed her Christian audience about AIDS and the AIDS uh, epidemic. And and specifically, she was like, you know, I wish that I could hug you. And he said, you know, a lot of people don't hug me and she's because they think that it's contagious. And she says, you know, I think the world would be better if we hugged each other. You know, she's... It was a really wonderful moment in the film uh, to see them recreate that. And... and it's a wonderful moment if you just look it up on YouTube. It's it's great. I mean, I don't know. I really liked how they portrayed Tammy Faye as a person um, in in this movie. And Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye. And she, like, they did all kinds of, like, prosthetics on her. She looks kind of crazy. But she did a really wonderful job. I mean, I agree that the performances are better than the movie. And also, everyone's favorite guy right now Andrew Garfield isn't it he plays Jim Baker so I think it worked really well I really enjoyed it um and the final sequence of the film was really really wonderful I went to go see it alone in in a theater and I just I enjoyed it it was a really wonderful experience but 
yeah so anyway that is that is all i've got um definitely let me know what your favorite uh, shows and movies were that you watched throughout 2021. I'm really excited to hear it. I definitely want to know what you guys have been watching. Um, Also, obviously, Supergirl did not make it on this list, but it's just because I spent most of 2021 talking about Supergirl in a bunch of different episodes, so you can go listen to my thoughts about Supergirl in other episodes. I wanted to highlight some shows that I normally don't talk about. Um you know, or that I haven't done these, like, weekly recaps of. So, Supergirl is there in spirit, obviously, but yeah. So, anyway, um, that is all I have. Let me know what you guys think. Don't forget to, like, rate, like, share, subscribe, do all the things, and I will see you guys next time. Bye.